1: Yes, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Industry Insider, where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, the National Accounts Manager with Headwear USA, and I'm joined today by three other lovely folks. But before we get to them, as always, we're going to tell you about our fine sponsors for today, our good friends over at Tervis. They've been around since 1946, and they're celebrating 75 years in business, and they started with their classic line. They've got sleek styles that make perfect for the active and on-the-go lifestyle. Tervis is the original double-wall insulated drinkware that keeps your cold drinks cold and reduces condensation. Backed by made-for life guarantee. Tervis is the original customizable double wall insulated drinkware that keeps your hot drinks hot and your cold drinks cold. They're available in several sizes, including a 16 ounce mug, a 16 or 24 ounce tumbler, and also a 24 ounce water bottle made from Triton plastic, made in America, lifetime warranty dishwasher, and microwave safe, and they're BPA free. Go check them out at TervisPromos.com. Tell them the industry insider sent you. Why don't we say hey to Stephen McFadden first? Why don't, why don't we go there? Oh, yes. How are I you? I
2: thought for sure it was going to be Meg. Well, went in, uh, Stephen McFad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was gonna be thought it was gonna be Meg, but thank goodness, because okay, you know what I you? like to do with my time, Jeff. Right? Yeah, I like to ask I like to ask you how you're doing. So Meg, Meg, and, and Meg, I, Meg, I and Meg never does that. So you know, it's like that's, that's been a while. I, Although you know, on the last so.
1: episode she did kick it she did it directly to you instead of coming back to me to do it so that was that was interesting that was a new twist that Meg did so yeah she likes to
2: keep us on our toes but I am doing great Jeff enough about you um so I'm excited Glad to to, to be <laughs> to be here excited for today's episode so
1: good deal Meg how are you doing
3: well. <laughs> no, I'm actually packing. I'm going to be working from the shore next week. Half vacation, half work. Um, so, yeah, just ready for that. We're leaving Friday night, and we'll be in CIL for a full week. So I'm really excited. Just need that. Need some time. Take like a break.
1: Yeah. I think,
3: I think I'm doing an episode from the shore, too. I'm, hopefully no more life.
1: We, uh, we actually just came back from vacation not that long ago, and I feel like I need another one already. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> so I get it. Well, we're joined today by a special guest, a returning guest to the show, Maurice Norris with PPAI, and we're going to talk some legislation. There's been a lot of new things that have changed. And uh, actually, as of this episode, Maurice has gotten some new news alerts to share with us. But Maurice, just in case uh, anybody hasn't uh, tuned in to the other episodes that we've done with you, it is customary for us to to do or to allow our special guest to get three to four minutes to introduce yourself uh, and maybe how you got started in promotional products industry and, and what you've been up to since.
0: Um, So, uh, as you said, I'm with PPAI, I'm public affairs manager, Um, you know, basically government regulations, product responsibility, Um, really try to keep a close eye on any legislation regulation at the state or federal level uh, that affects this industry. Um, You know, before that, it was kind of a lot of the same just for other industries um, at the state legislative level. Um, So, I think that's, that's me in a nutshell. I don't think I need three, three minutes to (laughs) kind of cover (laughs) cover what I said.
1: How how did, how did you find out about like PPAI? Like how how did you uh, join PPAI to do what you're doing on the government side of things?
0: So it's actually pretty typical for, uh, you know, current and former government employees to go into the association world, to go into the advocacy world. Um, So I, you know, kind of, kind of just, Found them through, you know, your, your typical contact list. Um, luckily enough, you know, they were hiring when I was looking to get out of government work for a while. Um, so here I am. They, you know, it's been uh, actually just just past five years. Um, so they've been putting up with me for five years now.
1: Good deal. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I know we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the Ocean Shipping and Reform Act that uh, that was, was just signed into action not that long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so why don't we start with that? What's yeah. uh, what's new with that or what's, what's happening?
0: So, yeah, like you said, it's just been, uh, you know, I think a couple of days, just over a month. Um, this is something PPAI uh, has been actually working on with our coalition partners for about 10 or 11 months. Um, Just a little quick history. It did go through several changes. There was a House and Senate version. Um, Then at one point it was actually supposed to be included in the huge China competition bill, which I think uh, we're going to cover in a few minutes, so I won't go too deeply into that one. Um, But just because of kind of the fluctuations with that larger piece, thankfully the Ocean Shipping Reform Act ended up getting a standalone vote in each chamber. Um, And I believe that was really the result of relentless pushing by stakeholders to get Congress to understand the importance of those ideas. Um, So just to really, you know, brief recap, uh, the law basically aims to alleviate supply chain bottlenecks caused by several factors. Um, You know, we're all familiar with the uh, labor shortages, uh, spike in demand for goods. Um, Really practically this bill uh, uh, directs the Federal Maritime Commission to prevent ocean carriers from unreasonably refusing to fill open cargo space. Uh, with American products, also uh, gives FMC uh, the authority to investigate late fees. So that's those detention and demurrage charges that have really just gotten out of control over the past uh, several months. Um, so there's really been a lot of lax oversight of how those charges are applied. Um, and really what the, the new law does is uh, make certain requirements a lot more detail with those invoices for the detention and demurrage charges. Um, and then it gives the FMC additional funding and authority uh, to enforce U.S. shipping law.
3: So, for someone who doesn't really get involved in the politics aspects of things, I really like to stay out of it. What does that mean for this industry, just in layman's terms? What does that mean for this industry?
0: So, you may have, you know, a container that, you know, through no fault of your own, you don't have access to because it's sitting somewhere on a dock. Um, but you may end up being charged by the shipping company for that, even though, you know, you're not the person that, you know, you didn't have the chassis, you didn't have the container, you didn't have the the labor. Um, So just a lot of those different little intricacies that really weren't being uh, scrutinized with some of those invoices, it kind of shifts the onus back to the shippers to justify some of those charges. You know, basically you can't just say, you know, even though we've been kind of dropping the ball in a couple of different areas on this, um, we're going to pass that cost on to you. It just kind of pushes a little bit responsibility back to the, to the shipping companies to kind of justify some of those charges.
3: Hey,
0: uh, I'm curious Uh, from
2: a distributor perspective, is this, uh, does this kind of more affect the, the imports for suppliers? Is that where we were seeing a big issue with this?
0: Yeah, I think it does give suppliers hopefully a few less headaches. We'll see once some of this enforcement starts to kick in. Um, But obviously, uh, obviously, uh, also, um, from a distributor standpoint, you know, hopefully, it results in a few less of those conversations that distributors have to have with their clients, with you know, with, you know sometimes folks are talking about much longer lead times time, uh, because they just don't know when they'll have access to some of those products. So, hopefully, this will alleviate some of that as well.
1: Okay, Meg, Stephen, do you guys have any other questions on the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, or should we move into the next thing?
0: Yeah,
1: go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, Maurice, I think the next thing that was on the list was the COMPETES Act.
0: Yes. Yes. So, you know, this is another one that's had two different versions on both sides of the hill. Um, It's also, you know, USICA Innovation and Competition Act. Um, Nowadays, as of, you know, last week and then Tuesday of this week, it's actually being called the CHIPS Act. Um, That's because, you know, again, the huge Innovation and Competition Act that we talked about. Uh, last time was really whittled down uh, to $54 billion in funding for American companies to produce semiconductors domestically. Um, It also adds some tax breaks to further induce companies to do the same. Um, So just to take a quick step back, the larger USICA bill included that policy. It really was kind of the glue that was holding all the stakeholders together um, in the Senate and the House. But it also included hundreds of pages of other legislative proposals, uh, including you know the trade title that required the USTR's office to establish a comprehensive Section 301 exclusion process. Also required you know renewal of uh, GSP and MTB programs. So this was all the stuff I was boring uh, you and your viewers with last time we were here. But these are you know these are issues that are important uh, to our industry. We've we've been getting a lot of questions about some of this stuff. Um, you remember this trade war was you know. Uh, uh, about four years old now, um, and some of our coalition uh, research has recently shown that it's cost Americans over, you know, $120 billion. Um, so, putting my little rant aside, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the bill itself is, um, is um, <clears throat> excuse me, that throat stuff here. Um, it, recently, the latest, smallest version recently cleared a procedural hurdle um, in the Senate this week. It's expected to get a final vote next week. Um, what's still unclear is whether some of the original bill's sponsors that were really you know, just heavy trade advocates on the Senate side um, will get their priorities included in the final version. Um, but right now, it's really looking like this train is going to leave the station between Monday and Wednesday of next week. There's another procedural bill Monday, final one Wednesday. Um, Senate leadership is trying to convince Um, some of those USICA bill sponsors to try to uh, move their priorities in the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, So we'll see how that goes. That's usually a, you know, obviously a huge annual bill that has to be passed. Um, But a lot of these trade, trade priorities don't typically go in there. So we'll, we'll see how that, that part goes.
1: Okay. Meg, way over your head. (laughs) You're mute. You're still muted. You got to, that was a that was a shit and a fuck. I've, yeah. I've Good one.
3: Um, is there anything that the, the the promotional product can do to help get this in, get involved? I mean, is there anything that we need to be doing to kind of help support PPAI, help support you in in getting this stuff passed?
0: Um, why? Thank you. Actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Congress is going on August recess. A lot of the reason there's so much urgency around this is because. You know, everybody wants to go home and get their time at home over the summertime. Uh, Both chambers are supposed to be going, uh, leaving D.C. to go on August recess within the next two weeks or so. Um, They obviously have these two or three huge pieces that they need to pass beforehand. Um, But August recess, you know, we try to do this push every year. Um, It's a great time for folks in our industry to meet with their legislators and their staffers. Um, You know, you can do it in person. A lot of times these legislators have. Uh, you know, they have town halls. They may even just set up a table in front of a grocery store. Um, they like to come to factories and other facilities, any production facilities. Um, it's, it's a great time to be doing that. So, um, yeah, there is a way um, to kind of advocate for some of those trade pieces that you may like um, in the bill, because, you know, again, legislators will be uh, in their districts, in their states within the next couple of weeks. Um, there's not a whole lot of confidence that this thing will actually get through both chambers by the end of next week. So there may be you know, still some room to try to, uh, try to try to raise some of your issues with them. Um, even if some of those issues get dropped off again, they may go through the National Defense Authorization Act. So there's still room to you know, really push for some of the pieces that you think will uh, will help your businesses. Right. I
3: like that. I like offering those factory tours up because I can tell you right now before when I used to be just a distributor, um, not just a distributor, but before I came over to the dark side, I didn't know how things were made. Right. And I remember the first day I walked into Jetline when they were up in like Mount Vernon. I saw them printing Frisbees like one at a time. I was like, really? That's how it's done. So if they haven't seen this aspect of it and, and firsthand and the people and the small businesses, they may not know. We're just another number to them. So highly encourage you to reach out to your, your house representatives, your legislators, you know, anyone, get them involved, get them to know the people of this industry and, and who they're affecting. I really think when you can humanize the people in this industry, um, it's harder to say no to people, you know?
0: And yeah. I'll say, even if there's, you know, obviously there's uh, different industry events at the regional level throughout the summer, that's a good time to, um, doesn't even just have to be the summer. Obviously, you know, a lot of these things happen during the fall, um, a lot of folks, you know, sometimes you might not know uh, these legislators have their staffs in D.C., but they also have local offices. And, you know, it's, it's really good to get, you know, that policy director, that chief of staff, whoever you can get to come through there. Um, those folks definitely have the legislators here. Those are typically the ones that uh, they understand the, the, the issues more so than the legislator even. So if you're having, you know, again, some industry event, you want to reach out to anybody. Um, you know, if you don't know who it is, who it might be, who to reach out to. Um, just kind of give me a call. I can uh try to try to help you walk through it.
1: All right. Steven, do you have any questions on either of the past two?
0: No, I just
2: I keep frantically googling because like when we say uh, you know, this is the nerdy news you need to know. This is like exactly what I think of. And so I'm like, all right, chips bill. Let me look at the chips bill. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. So I mean it's it's awesome. I mean, it's cool stuff and it's hard, it's neat to see how it all integrates, right? Like I think a lot of times we see mm-hmm. political topics or we see different bills that are more mainstream, but we don't see all the like the almost like the dirty bills, right? Like all the 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 operational side things and all the trade things and the e-commerce side and the commerce side, and it's it's just neat to see Beef. how those integrate.
1: Yeah, you've, you've really got to be in the thick of it to know what's what's happening mm-hmm. and where it's at, because once a bill gets introduced, sometimes it can take forever before anything actually happens with it. So it's like unless you're really paying attention and getting alerts like Maurice, I mean, I, I don't know how people are staying on top of it, but, uh, you know, I really appreciate the, uh, the the news and the updates on the stuff because it is something that we all need to be aware of for sure. Um, now, Maurice, the next one that you have up here is uh, the UFLPA, and uh, I'm not actually familiar with this one at all. So maybe you can just give us a rundown of what that is.
0: So that's something that just recently went into effect, and it's um, basically it creates a rebuttable presumption um, that any products coming out of China come from Xinjiang. So it's on the importer to prove that's not the case. Now, I know it's you know, really difficult to prove a negative. Um, But fortunately, uh, PPI actually has a lot of resources on supply chain mapping. We've got a few webinars, um, especially with, you know, the apparel, which is our biggest, uh, biggest category there. Um, We've got three different webinars that cover this issue. So this was something else that's there's been a version of it introduced in every, you know, every probably the last two or three chambers of Congress. It actually just recently passed last year, uh, went into effect last month, um, and CBP is, you know, basically they they recently released their uh, their enforcement guidance on that. So there's, you know, again, a couple of different websites. They actually released some some helpful information on how to comply with the with the new law. But that is in effect. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, uh, basically you, you it's it's on the importer to prove that the product isn't coming from the Xinjiang region of China.
1: Okay, and I just looked that up. So it's the Uyghur U- Forced Labor Prevention Act. So it, I know that uh, there's been like a ban on the cotton that come that comes out of that region. So uh, that makes uh, makes complete sense.
0: Yeah, there's just a long history of you know huge human rights abuses. Um, to put it bluntly, slavery, um, slave labor uh, that's going sure. on in that region. These reindoctrination camps. Um, so yeah, it's it's a huge. The, the UFLPA itself is actually just an update of. Uh, some other existing trade law that's been on the books since I think 1930. So it's, it's really just an update uh, to include that, to target that region.
3: So while I think this is absolutely necessary, let me preface this. Absolutely necessary. It doesn't really, I mean, I I don't know the bill in and out, but it doesn't offer, maybe it does. I I mean, what I'm, what we see and what I'm sure the distributors and end users are seeing is that when all of this was limited, right, a lot of this comes from this part of China. Um, and then everything was pushed into India or other part, or Vietnam or other parts. Nobody is set up with the infrastructure that China is. And this has been a lot of the reasons for the bottleneck in supply and supply and demand. Um, so what what what's the answer? Like, what is the answer? Yeah, don't do it. Great. Fine. Don't do it. But now what? Like, what's the answer to fix it, to fix the supply and demand from this from this bottleneck because of this?
0: So we actually have guidance on that, too. I think uh, there was a summit, uh, product responsibility summit session from a couple of years ago um, that was talking about, you know, moving production out of China. That was in response to the Section 301 tariffs, which are actually, you know, I think they were only a year, year and a half old or so at the time. But I think the biggest answer is, you know, basically supply chain mapping. Um, you have to figure out where the products are coming from um, it's it's not enough anymore to just you know say it's not coming from a certain place you have to be able to substantiate any claims you make. Um, so again you know fortunately um, we've got numerous resources on this um, you know my 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 uh, I'm available to kind of help locate the stuff and talk it through um, but I think that's basically the the biggest and best tool is supply chain mapping um, we also actually have, Um, you know, do a quick Product Responsibility Summit plug. We'll be talking about this at Product Responsibility Summit. um, CBP enforcement of UFLPA. And then there'll also be a supply chain, a live supply chain mapping session. So, you know, it's obviously one thing to kind of watch that recording, but um, we'll also be there in person so you can uh, nail us down with some of the tough questions um, in a a smaller forum uh, in person.
2: Since you mentioned... um you know, uh, product costs and um, tariffs and stuff, is there, I know one of the things that affects obviously everybody is, is the inflation of costs, right? Um, You know, several suppliers have kind of standing variable percentages that they'll add to things. And then there's continually price increases with, with products in the industry pretty much throughout the whole year. And we're expecting, I think it to continue any insight as to if there's more tariff stuff to drop, or if there's, kind of a flatlining of the inflation of product,
0: product costs or any insight on that? So I can speak to the tariffs and, you know, that really remains to be seen. The USTR's office has announced numerous reviews of the tariffs, um, uh, specifically the Section 301 tariffs. I will say the uh, International Trade Commission is actually having hearings uh, this week. I've joined a couple of them. Um, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, they've been having different industries and trade associations discussing the impacts of the section 232 and 301 tariffs. Um, I will say PPAI signed on to numerous letters and done all kinds of advocacy, uh, pushing the administration to relax or remove the tariffs, um, because of the projected impact, uh, downward impact on inflation. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's seems to have been taken under advisement. I will say from the feedback, um, that the commissioners in the USITC have been hearing the past couple of days. Um, There has been some surprisingly lively conversation for a (laughs) a trade hearing. Um, I will say they don't seem entirely convinced that all of the cost increases companies are experiencing can be uh, solely attributed to the tariffs, but they do seem to understand that at least some of it is attributable to the tariffs. Um, And they are asking, actually, they. You know, I'd say all of the three or four that I, I you know don't remember names, but I've been seeing them the past two days. Um, they're open to ongoing communication with stakeholders on the impact, the economic impacts of the tariffs.
2: Do you guys mind if I sure. ask one more follow up? Is that is that all right? I know Sorry, we're doing I a segue. In the corner. I, oh. didn't <laughs> I
3: didn't hey. <laughs>
2: Maurice, uh, out of curiosity, just excuse my ignorance of this, I understand um, how interest rates can affect you know uh, kind of big picture with with borrowing but is there any impact on the interest rate being adjusted uh to the industry
0: i think that's probably a little outside of my wheelhouse okay <laughs> I, I can only say you know anytime yeah. you have those speculators uh dipping into any any industry is usually not good for folks who aren't doing the speculating mm.
1: Nice. And maybe I want to I want to just take a step back to your question as well, because I wanted to absolutely agree with Maurice. I mean, I think rather than, you know, because what you said is completely true, you can't just leave the infrastructure that China has to go to, you know, Vietnam or Indonesia or somewhere like that because they just don't have the capability and the capacity that China does. So the answer isn't necessarily just completely right off China like I've heard a lot of people doing. Um, the answer is to, you know, be re- be uh, responsibly sourcing your suppliers, you know, work with suppliers that have, you know, four pillar CEDEX audits and things like that, you know, where you're you're not violating any labor laws, you're, you know, working in an eco and sustainable factory and, uh, you know, all these different things and checkpoints that these audits take care of. I think if you're if you're sourcing, you know, responsibly, then you don't have to write off the infrastructure that China has.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, due diligence, due diligence, due diligence. Um, you know, again, PPAI has a bunch of resources on our corporate responsibility page to help with that. So, you know, again, if you need any help locating any of that stuff, uh, you know, just reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm available to help you find some of that stuff. And if I can't find it specifically, we have, you know, other contacts uh, who can help.
1: Nice. Yeah. So, Stephen, since you did some kind of segue into tariffs, that was the next thing that we wanted to discuss. And, you know, uh, honestly, I, I feel like, you know, and certainly that has definitely contributed, uh, if not, you know, been the majority of the inflation. I mean, you're talking about, you know, what what was the, the actual hike? I can't even remember what it got up to, but it was pretty 7. percent. 9.1%, for June. 9.1, 9.1. yeah. And that's
3: literally from three yep. months ago. I mean, the, the data is so... Yeah, changed. I mean, when
1: when you look at inflation, I mean, I know a lot of it has to do with the gas prices going up because transportation basically hammers every every aspect of every industry because things are being transported, and when the increase uh, costs for transportation go up, the you know the cost of everything goes up. But tariffs don't help. So, I mean, honestly, if the uh, if the executive office wanted to look at things to you know reduce inflation and and the the suffering that a lot of the country is going through, removing those tariffs could certainly help. You know, it could certainly help.
0: Yeah, fully agree. I, I, you know, very hesitant to get into any pricing conversations. Not sure where the line should be drawn there from an association standpoint, but we have uh, pushed on numerous occasions with the administration, both the USTR's office and the White House, um, that, you know, know, again, it's under advisement. This is one of the two or three big decisions the White House is supposed to be making by the end of the year, but they are considering, uh, from my understanding, at least the Section 301 tariffs, It seems to be a little bit uh, less definitive with the 232 tariffs, but they are considering whether to uh, remove or relax or at least remove certain product lines and uh, also considering at least some, you know, an exclusion process that's, you know, uh, transparent and comprehensive. So, you know, a lot of the problem with the old exclusion process, which expired, by the way, so, you know, it's kind of a moot point. It doesn't exist anymore anyway, but there were... Very slow, small percentage of companies that applied for those exclusions that actually got them, and most of them really never got an explanation for why they were denied. So you know that's part of what they're kind of considering right now how to how to make the USTR's office uh, more responsive to the concerns of companies that are, you know a lot of, a lot of times uh, one of the issues is those products aren't really available anywhere else, or like you're saying, they may not be available at that capacity anywhere else. So if, if you know, if an exclusion is going to be denied, if that's the case, there should at least be uh, some kind of reasoning behind it. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. So that that is, you know, again, something PPAI has been pushing for ever since the uh, prior exclusion process expired. Um, and it is what I understand the White House to be taking under advisement. Um, hopefully we should be hearing some good news on that soon.
1: All right. Maurice, are there any other questions? Uh... Any other major legislative uh, bills or uh, you know things that are being actioned that we need to be aware of outside of the ones that we've discussed so far?
0: Well, so there's a couple of things that are really outside of our control, but we have been sending letters on. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the the port negotiations on the West Coast. We're talking about 40% of the trade that's coming in Um, into this country can be affected by, you know, roughly just under 30 ports or so. Um, Fortunately, there haven't been any significant disruptions there, but we did send a letter to the White House asking them to, um, you know, not really tip the scales one way or another, but just kind of, you know, make sure those two sides are, they keep talking to each other, as long as they're talking to each other and they keep everything going. um, That's a good thing. We'd like the certainty of that contract, but in the meantime, you know, um, Along those lines, there's also some trucker protests in Oakland, um, so the truckers in the port of Oakland are actually really upset about um, a recent procedural development related to uh, California's AB-5 bill. Remember, this is the bill in California that basically bans um, independent contractors. Uh, oh, yeah. It does have a long list of exemptions, but you know, basically the truckers weren't in there. Um, they've been fighting this thing for the past three three years or so. Um, it's been going all over the place at the state and federal level, and I think two, three weeks ago, uh, the Supreme Court actually recently decided not to take up the challenge that the truckers had that would delay enforcement of AB5. So, it's specifically at the, the Oakland port, um, I've been seeing reports it's basically been shut down because the truckers are literally blocking the entrance. Um, there's about wow. a thousand of them. So, this was, you know, as of Tuesday, Wednesday, they've been protesting there. Um, that's then, not a
3: little. That's a lot. That's a huge protest. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. it's not the Canadian one, but that's still, that's, not, that's something that should, I'm not even seeing that on the news. That's a little crazy.
0: And then back to, you know, the previous labor negotiations, some of those port workers that are at the uh, Port of Oakland are, I think there's, a, last I saw there was about 100 of them. This has been changing daily. Um, they're actually refusing to cross the picket lines. So they're not working um, on the port side because they're supporting the truckers protest. So just kind of a, you know, labor solidarity thing, which is, you know, again, probably one of the numerous reasons that port has basically been shut down since uh, Wednesday night.
1: Wow. And then I think you also wanted to, uh, to go over, or at least just uh, touch on the California packaging uh, bill.
0: Yeah. So this is, you know, basically an effect of climate change. Uh, California recently passed a bill. They've actually been uh, trying to pass this bill for going on four years now. Excuse me, sorry, I've got terrible allergies this week. Um, We've been following and writing on it for pretty much the first time since they uh, introduced this. Uh, Really, it creates an extended producer responsibility program. Um, The intention there is uh, requiring certain reductions and eliminations in uh, single-use plastic packaging. It also requires all plastic packaging in the state to reduce, well, excuse me, reach a 30% recycling rate uh, by 28. So that's just, you know, like five and a half years. Um, and then more than doubling that rate to 65% by 2032. Uh, one of the reasons, aside from, you know, obviously California is one of the biggest states in the country, um, the, the policies that come out of California are often a precursor to other state and federal policies. Um, we we're just talking about AB5. I'll say the Pro Act at the federal level is almost a carbon copy of A B five. So a lot of times the stuff we see happening in California happens in other states and at the federal level. Um, so that's definitely a state uh, that we track more closely when we're looking at, you know, state state regs and state laws that have implications for the, the broader industry.
1: Wow. Meg yeah. Steven. And I'm, okay. I am
3: interested to keep an eye on that and ear on that just because I know it sounds really good on paper. I, I know there's going to be some some negative kickback to that, but I really, I mean, me being on the promo cares, what I love to hear this, I just don't want it to be this is what you aren't hearing about it, and it's actually doing more damage because of X, Y, or Z. I feel like there's always a second side to that. So I really want to follow this. Um, if it's something that means something to you as a listener, definitely follow along. Um, legislation is coming. It's, it's going to be centered on packaging and plastic, single-use plastics, but you know, keep an eye on it. But yeah, thank you, Maurice. I really appreciate all of this information. I know there's a lot to take in. Um, if you're listening to this and want more information, I would definitely recommend going over to PPI.org website. Um, there's a, a link for advocacy. You can go down and, and hit Legislative legislative Action Watch, and um, there's a bunch of links of how to take action as well.
1: Stephen, you have any questions?
2: No, um, but it doesn't mean I'm not trying to absorb it. <laughs> so, yeah. so wow. no, it's it you know wow. it's funny the 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 closest I've ever been to this, um, not any specific policy, but I, I think I've told you guys I do a we do a trade show out in Huntington Beach, which is right by the San Pedro Bay Port, and um, it was eye opening because we were there. Uh, I've been there twice in the last like six month span. And the first time was in October, September, October of last year. And there was a, it was like the height of everything being jammed. And I could go out to the deck of where we were staying and look out and see boats as far as you could see in both direction. And we counted 58 cargo ships, which then led me to figure out like, all right, how many, how many containers can fit on a cargo ship? And you figure out that it's like five to 10,000 containers on some of these ships. And, You know, upwards of 20,000 on the bigger ones and then it's like multiply that as far as you can see with boats and then people are like where's stuff it's like it's right there it's like it's like uh you know it's 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 like black friday's gonna be on the water you know it's like out there so um but it's just you know like hearing things like this and then seeing it in person really brings some some life to it
1: yeah it does oh yeah Maurice I, I I do have a question for you and it's it's one that uh, I'm sure we're all uh sort of waiting to hear the answer for is lead going to be in person again next year <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah, I'll say personally I hope so um it's it's we had so you know it was virtual this year just logistically it was impossible to also with the safety concerns and yeah. Um, just all the protocols at the Capitol. We we just the way they're handling access to the Capitol right now. We it wasn't we couldn't do an in person lead this year. Hopefully that changes by next year. Um, I think those in person meetings are important. We did have folks that you know remember us from at this point. It's you know been three years since we've been there in person, and you know they were asking for you know those notebooks, those ink pens, um, all yeah. that stuff that they are they remember us by. Um, all these different. Uh, just all the stories that we used to tell them and show those case studies in person. Um, So I think, yeah, I think the impact is certainly much greater in person. So I'll, you know, I'll say I hope so.
3: I hope so, too. I've grown so much professionally and personally since I went last time, probably 10 or so years ago. I feel like I would have a a really big impact this time. And so I definitely want to want to go or whatever, whatever we got to do to get involved next year, I definitely want to be there. So I know Jeff does,
1: too. I, I think that, uh, you know, with, because, you know, the last several years that I had done it, you know, there's there's not quite as much on, on the agenda as far as the talking points that you're trying to hit with, the, you know, the legislators. But, you know, I feel like there's so much, you know, on the table right now, which is why, you know, it, it would be great to be there and in front of them to be able to discuss those topics to really, you know, drive the point home. But I know PPAI is doing everything that they can on the back end, as well as yourself, Maurice, to, to send those letters and to constantly stay in touch with uh, the legislators of uh, branches to, to make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're getting our, our point across at least. So Certainly. at least we're doing that. We're just sneak in another quick plug for August recess. You know,
0: uh, please yeah. reach out. Um, it's important to hear from you about these topics.
1: Good deal. All right. Well, definitely appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the news with us, Maurice. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely the stuff that everybody needs to hear and because uh, it affects us all down the road and and you know presently. So uh, really appreciate you just being a wealth of knowledge and, and sharing that information with us. So if you guys enjoyed today's uh, episode, it was brought to you by our good friends over at Tervis, and they've been around since 1946, uh, and they're celebrating 75 years in business, and they started with that classic line. They've got sleek styles, make perfect for the active and go, on-the-go lifestyle. Tervis the original Double wall insulated drinkware that keeps your cold drinks cold and reduces condensation. They're backed by a Made for Life guarantee. Turf is the original customizable uh, double wall insulated drinkware that keeps your hot drinks hot and your cold drinks cold. And they're available in several sizes, including a 16 ounce mug, 16 or 24 ounce tumbler, and a 24 ounce water bottle. Made from Triton Plastic, made in America, lifetime warranty, dishwasher, and microwave safe, and they're BPA-free. So go check them out at turvispromos.com and tell them the Industry Insider sent you. Maurice, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, Meg, Stephen, always fun to see you guys as well. Until next time, take care, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corners Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.